like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. I'm sure you're going to love today's Song of the Soul guest. Her name is Mindy Dillard, and she is so many things. She's a mythological scholar and has created a one-woman folk rock opera. She's a body image activist, and she's an incredible singer-songwriter, accompanying herself with claw hammer banjo, guitar, and ukulele, and more. Get ready to get enchanted by the music and person of Mindy Dillard as she joins us by phone from Salt Lake City, Utah. Mindy, I'm super excited to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Hello, thanks. Now, you're in Utah, and I was tracking down, and as I was listening to your music, I was getting the idea that you had traveled around a lot, not just for doing shows, but that you've lived around. You're in Utah raised, right? Yeah, I lived in Utah until I was in my early 20s, and then I moved to Portland, Oregon, where I lived for six years. And then I moved to the Bay Area, to Berkeley, California, where I lived for almost four years. And now I'm back in Salt Lake City again. (laughs) One of the things I saw on your website, and folks, that website is MindyDillard.com. On the website, I saw your mom playing violin with you. Did you grow up doing music at home? Well, actually, it's a really cool story because we did do music at home a little bit, and I always sang in choir, and we sang with the church band and stuff like that. So I was always a singer, and when I was a kid, I think I took violin for about a couple months, and I took piano for a few years. And my mom played guitar a little bit, but she actually took up the fiddle at age 51. And what happened was she found this old fiddle on the mantle and she found her grandpa's, so my great grandpa's fiddle. And it was, you know, in disrepair. It had to be spiffed up, but she took it back to Utah with her and she got it revamped. And she learned the fiddle. And now it's, you know, 16 years later, and she's an amazing fiddler. And not only that, but my mom, in her picking up the fiddle when she was 51, she actually inspired me to get further into my, because at that time, I was kind of just starting to play music and to write songs. By her doing that, she really kind of got me to whip myself into gear. I was like, wow. If my mom can do that, then surely I can write songs and I can play the guitar. <laughs> uh, you know, like I can, I can get good at that. It's a worthy thing to do. 
So she's an incredibly inspiring person. And since I've been back in Salt Lake, we've been able to do a couple of gigs together, which has been really fun. So it sounds to me like your persona as Princess Fearless comes because you're daughter of Queen Fearless. Indeed. My mom is definitely Queen Fearless. That's a really good way to put it. On your website, I noticed you referring to yourself with various different lenses. I love the adjectives and the description of it. A musical alchemist, a body image activist, Princess Fearless. Those are a few of them. Let's get into some of this musical alchemy that you do. How would you like to start out your song of the soul, Mindy? So this song is a song I wrote on banjo a few years ago. It's a song called You Are Not Alone. And perhaps we should just hear it, and then we can talk about the alchemy in it afterwards. And it's Mindy Dillard, her song, You Are Not Alone. You've done some alchemy there. Explain the alchemy, Mindy. Well, later on in that song, there is a bridge part. And the words in the bridge are, it's okay if you break some china (laughs) or spill red wine on the white rug. If you cry, it doesn't mean you're weak. We all are seeking love. And for me, what the alchemy is, I'm talking about transforming what could be a really embarrassing or hard situation 
into something that's actually a growing, learning, connecting experience. I actually wrote that after I was visiting this friend on his houseboat, and I actually spilled a whole glass of red wine on a white rug. And uh, <laughs> and but instead of being upset with me, you know, he was just like, "Oh, it's okay," you know. And I just think sometimes in our culture, we don't always treat things in that way. We would get embarrassed over, you know, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when you break someone's china or spill red wine on their rug. But I want to promote a culture or I want to live in a culture where we forgive each other and we see each other as whole imperfect beings, but that our imperfection actually makes us more beautiful because that's really what I believe. Yeah, musical alchemist is kind of a word I coined for myself. I actually have this great friend um, who actually recently passed away. Her name's Lisa Lapine. She did a lot of creative counsel and promotion for many singer-songwriters and musical artists up in Portland, Oregon. And she kind of helped me coin the term. She actually sort of gave me this great definition for it, which is, to transform or transmute the ineffable into healing stories. That's quite an objective. And I understand that you actually have, for yourself, created your purpose. I mean, some people, the, the purpose of music is to get fame and adulation, which probably doesn't hurt. And to get money out of it, that probably wouldn't hurt if you could get a living wage out of it. But you've got something more than that that's behind your music. Yeah, my music has become this healing force in my own life. I had an eating disorder when I was in college. So that was about 12, 13 years ago that I struggled with anorexia. As I got into my early 20s, I found songwriting and I firmly believe that songwriting and finding this passion, this vocation outside of myself is what has allowed me to focus on creating something positive outside of myself rather than subtracting pieces of myself, which is what I was doing in my eating disorder. And it's been an interesting journey. And, you know, I've been writing songs for about almost 10 years now. And it's hard. It's hard to write down your feelings and then to share them with people. But it's also powerful and very healing to connect with others through my poetry and song. And I did, as you say, I actually, before we got on this call, I was telling you about my mission statement. So maybe it'd be a good time for me to share that now. I'm gonna open my voice up wide. I am afraid, but I still must try. I won't let fear keep me from here. I won't let fear make me disappear. I'm gonna sing from the depths of my heart. I will sing stories from near and from far. I won't let fear keep me from here. I won't let fear make me disappear. I'm gonna sing out my passion and pain because I know that is why I came. I won't let fear keep me from here. 
I won't let fear make me disappear. The world may be big, and maybe I'll fail. I'll forgive the world and open my sails. I've been to the edge and I jumped off the cliff. And I know it doesn't get better than this. I'm gonna open my voice up wide. I will take all of the dark and the light. I won't let fear keep me from here. I won't let fear make me disappear. I won't let fear make me disappear. I won't let fear make me disappear. So beautiful, so beautiful, Mundy. And thank you for sharing that over the phone. Of course, that's not the optimal way of recording a, a high fidelity kind of thing. You mentioned it's on your website somewhere. Yeah, there's a video of me singing it on my website in the, the right sidebar. It says my mission statement. And if you click on it, you can watch that video. So let's make the world an even better place by listening to another of your songs right away. What do you want to share next for Song of the Soul? Lunchroom Royalty is a piece that I do that's from my revisionist fairy tale folk rock opera, which is called How to Survive a Poison Apple. This is a piece that I do at eating disorder conferences and treatment centers around the country. So I do the album as a song cycle, folk rock opera, and this is one track from it. It's Mindy Dillard, Lunchroom Royalty. So I'm sitting there in the lunchroom reading my fairy tale book. I'm 13, but I think this all needs another look. What they've shown us on the screen's got to be different than what the stuff in these old pages means. Right? No more movie princess scenes with their size zero waist. Is that written in the books? Is that really the case? Perfect skin, and they're so, so thin. And then the doors swing open, all the princesses storming in. A swarm of taffet untie their sashes, rip off eyelashes as they sat right down beside us. Cinderella puts on her glasses, I can't stand contact. Makes me nauseous, sleeping beauty throws her sleeping pills away. She says, I'll deal with the problem, instead of sleeping through, I'll break the spell. Then I think Prince Charming is really going crazy Cause he's standing on the table, he's shouting It's, it's amazing. amazing, you're made to eat so please Don't worry so much Then he turns to Cinderella He's sensitive, that fella He says, look, I'm sorry that I never said I really like your mind oh, 
like us They're you and me and they are full and so are we Then they took us in the bathroom with some sticky notes Said let's cover the mirror with your thoughts and quotes We proclaimed it's okay to be We piled their crowns in a heap right there on the floor What a wonderful song, Lunchroom Royalty. As Mindy Dillard said, it's from her, I can't say all the words as quickly together as you can, to rock opera, right? Revisionist fairy tale folk rock opera. <laughs> I'm going to have to be working on that one for a while. How to Survive a Poison Apple. Right. I think this is the, my favorite of all the songs of yours that I've heard. For some reason, it particularly grabs me. I am aware that to some degree, Maybe it's because this is dealing with eating disorders. It's maybe more focused towards women than men. The taffeta doesn't really call to me, for instance. You haven't ever worn taffeta, Mark? Really? No taffeta? (laughs) I've been deprived, yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I am a woman. So I, you know, I really don't know what the male experience is, except from, you know, I do have a younger brother and I... I have had a lot of friends who are men over the years, and I've also done a lot of research kind of into, you know, for women, there's this pressure to be small and, you know, not take up too much space, both with our words and actions and with our bodies. But for men, there's also kind of a similar thing in that they are discouraged from being too emotional, from showing much emotion, and they can't really show weakness, right? I mean, of course, there are exceptions, and probably for your audiences, for many of them, I mean, I may be sort of preaching to the choir with this audience, I don't know, but I feel like both men and women, you know, we both grow up with kind of expectations, but that's kind of why I have the verse in there about the princes coming into the lunchroom, taking off their armor, and they say, you know, I really do like your mind, Cinderella, like... I love your mind, you know, <laughs> but I want to, I want to tell you a little bit about the history of this song. So a long time ago, I used to teach drama and theater to kids a lot. And I, I directed theater productions for kids. And I also taught a lot of fairy tale theater classes, especially for really little kids. And most of the time, these classes would be about like 10 to 15, mostly girls. There's usually like one boy, but mostly girls between the ages of four and six. So what I've learned about girls between the ages of four and six is that they always, most of them really love princesses. And what I found when I was teaching this one particular class that I feel like this song kind of came from was that I had all these little girls and they would come to class every week and they would wear their Disney-fied Cinderella Snow White Sleeping Beauty like little outfits for little girls 
they really wanted, we were doing a fairy tale theater class. That's what it was called. So what we were supposed to do was come up with kind of new fairy tales or act out fairy tales, create little productions with them. At the time, I was kind of getting really into Grimm's original fairy tales. And I was also kind of awakening to myself as a songwriter and a feminist. And I was starting to realize these societal expectations that have been placed on me and that were in turn being put on these little girls. It was making me really kind of angry or kind of just like, what? Like, really? And I tried to get these little girls to create some kind of new fairy tale that we had never heard of before. But I found that they really just wanted to reenact the Disney movies, the, those versions <laughs> yeah. of the stories. And that made me really just like, oh, something needs to be done about that. And so then I started having these dreams like dreams while I was sleeping and the lunchroom royalty song is kind of directly plucked from a dream I had where I was a 13 year old girl in a lunchroom and these things happened. Well, you know, we're going to be going long here. I, I can see already that some portions of this interview are going to be available only on my website, not in the broadcast, because there's too many riches coming to us from Mindy Dillard. I do want to let you know, folks, that we are speaking to Mindy Dillard today for Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production. On the web, you'll find us at northernspiritradio.org, where you'll find more than 11 years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find links Links to our guests. Mindy Dillard, it's pretty easy, mindydillard.com. But there's so much more information you can find about her and our other guests on the site. There's also a place to post comments, and we do love two-way communication. Enhance our knowledge by posting your comment when you visit. There's also a place to donate. That is how this full-time work is supported, by your donations. It's not by the corporations. It's not by government. It's because you believe in this kind of programming. So please donate when you come. Even more important, though, I would say is to support your local community radio stations. Stations which are national have a limited purview that they'll reach out to, and both in terms of news and in terms of music. Local community radio provides you a taste of options that you get nowhere else. So please start by supporting them. Again, we're speaking to Mindy. She's over in Salt Lake City in Utah, and she's lived around the West. Never been an Easterner, huh? No, I've never been an Easterner, but I hope to get that way soon. I actually am now dating a guy who's from Wisconsin, so oh, I am hoping to be in that area soon. And he's a very, very charming and honest and sweet guy. So I'm actually coming to Chicago, you know, close by Wisconsin. Later this month, actually, September 2016, I'm presenting at the National Eating Disorders Association Conference in Chicago. So I'm actually going to be performing some songs and giving a creative writing workshop. And that's going to be for people, um, families and patients who are either struggling with an eating disorder currently or in recovery. So I'm really excited about that. And so nearby, I mean, that's still another five, six hours drive for me, but because, okay, I'm, I guess. because, I'm, because, because I'm halfway up Wisconsin, but on the other hand, it's a lot closer than Salt Lake City. <laughs> that's right. Well, let's keep going with your music. We do want to get as much in as we can in this 55-minute program. What's next? I think next we should hear Broken Dishes. 
So this is a song that was actually along with the first song, You Are Not Alone. It was one of the songs which I won the 2015 Suzanne Millsaps Performing Songwriter Award, first place in Salt Lake City. So here's Broken Dishes. There's a gallery of broken dishes at our house. Each one is like a shining hope transformed to a doubt. You bound them up with rubber bands and set them on the shelf. I'll fix them when I can, you said. I don't need any help. You broke one of the socket cups. My mom bought long ago Cracked some of the porcelain Black hair and yellow kimonos My mom bought them in England They were made in Japan You say one day you'll glue them back Together again But it's time to let them go there will be more broken dishes Time to let them go Just like all of our old wishes Let them go The handles on the teacups Just didn't want to stay attached they came off during accidents or another shouting match. Blue snowflakes dance across the edge of those chipped white cups. My grandpa gave me those and I miss him oh so much. But it's time to let them go. There will be more broken dishes Time to let them go Just like all of our old wishes Let them go We have shining hopes And it's all right to doubt But these are just Broken things that we can live without They aren't the memories There's a gallery of broken dishes at our house Each one is like a shining hope Transformed to a doubt but come, my love, let's take them all on down from the shelf. My love, you are forgiven, and now I need your help. My love, you are forgiven, and now I need your help. But it's time to let them go. There will be more broken dishes. Time to let them go Just like all of our old wishes Let them go 
let them go. Let them go. Let them go. For all of us who've been through relationships and sometimes been stuck in relationships, that song, Broken Dishes, is such a valuable lesson. It's by Mindy Dillard, her website, mindydillard.com. You can't find that on her two CDs that she has for general purchase out there, but you can get it via her site in any case. Did you come to that wisdom about broken dishes, about relationships, about, I think, not carrying forward the garbage and applying that as the rule for today, somehow letting go? Is this something that you were able to get before you turned 30? (laughs) Let's see. I think I actually did write this song right before I turned 30. At the time, I was trying to write 30 songs before I turned 30. That was, I had a blog about it for a while. And I think I only wrote seven songs, but this was one of them. And <laughs> it, it was a good choice. So, it was a good choice. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think what's really fascinating about the creative process, and I often call that thing the muse. And I also sometimes think of that as sort of the unconscious or sometimes, you know, the Jungian psychologists like Clarissa Pinkola Estes and Joseph Campbell, they call this the collective unconscious. So I think what's interesting with this song in particular, I actually wrote it or it came to me through my muse before I had this big change up in a relationship I was in. And I feel like in a lot of ways, This song was like a warning or like a beacon for me, like, oh, I need to look at these things that are going on. And it led eventually to the ending of that relationship. I want to know more about this Wisconsin guy you're connected with because, (laughs) I I mean, Utah and Wisconsin, it's not a commuter flight between them. How do you end up connecting with a Wisconsinite? I I, I approve, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, I hope that you can meet him sometime, Mark, because I hope I can meet you too sometime. We can all meet. I met him in Berkeley about a year and a half ago, and he's actually a, a gardener and a garden designer among his many talents, but that's what he was doing for work when I met him in Berkeley, and he ran his own garden business via bicycle, so he had a bike trailer. And he biked around to a bunch of people's different yards and created patios and vegetable gardens and beautiful, you know, gardens full of natives and edibles. And he's great, you know, and I don't have it recorded yet, but I actually have a song about him that I'll send you at some point and that will be on my website. It's called Something About You. And you can learn more about my relationship with him in that song. We do need to continue with some more music. There's so much of your voice that I could just sit and listen to all day, Mindy. So why don't you share another song so that we can be transported again? Why don't we go ahead and hear the song Esmeralda, and then we can discuss it. Okay, Esmeralda, Mindy Dillard. Esmeralda got the sugar, Esmeralda got the cream She's gonna fix you up a cup of hot green tea A little cup of love, warm up the desert night She'll talk you through your fears until first morning light Esmeralda, 
No, you cannot go to look at our hot spring. We open up tomorrow, eight dollars and you're in. Magical hot water is trickling down your limbs, Esmeralda. Oh, Esmeralda, she's a desert queen. She's a desert queen. Got the stockings, Esmeralda got the feet. She walked here from Las Vegas at just 17. And some say she's a gypsy, she loves her bells and beads. They say she's from Poughkeepsie, she says, I'm finally free, Esmeralda. Oh, Esmeralda. Esmeralda got a voice, Esmeralda makes you scream. Conquer all your demons in this desert dream. She takes you on the playa in the middle of the night to scream like the coyotes, chase away your fright, Esmeralda. Oh, Esmeralda, desert queen. She's a desert queen. Esmeralda is the song. That's not on an album yet, but we do hope we can get it soon. You can find it via Mindy's website, mindydillard.com. I'm wondering as how much Esmeralda is a wannabe for you. Do you have the sugar? Do you have the cream? <laughs> what do you think of- right. Yeah. I mean, I would like to be Esmeralda. So there's a story behind the song. I actually wrote it after I traveled to Death Valley, which is in Southern California. So it's actually this spot right outside of Death Valley called Tacopa Hot Springs, which is the kind of desert place. It's sort of unearthly, this place. Like there's very little vegetation and kind of sand-baked earth. There's this hot spring there. So this is the kind of hot spring that is, I don't know if it's called a mud hot spring or something. I don't think that's the proper name, but the way it works is the hot water bubbles up out of the earth, like out of the spring, but then it kind of flows up into this marsh. So what the locals do is they lay down in kind of this muddy marsh and that's how they get their hot water and their mud and they you know claim it's very therapeutic but for me when i was there in january of last year i was pretty dismayed and put off by this sign that said beware of mud mites 
because I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> get mud mite bites on my, you know, where. So, um, <laughs> so after that, we ended up going and finding this other kind of hot spring resort type place, but it was a pretty, uh, like, it wasn't like a Disneyland kind of quality resort. It was more like if Disneyland's a 10, this was more like a, a four. <laughs> right. But so we went, we went there and it was nice. They had little rooms where you could get in the hot water with little cherubims that were plastered on the wall, you know, and they, they had little pitchers that were pouring hot water and it was very nice. It was called Delights Hot Spring Resort or something like that. And after that, in this desert settlement, it was like, you know, what I usually say about this is that this whole place, it was very funky, but it wasn't like hipster funky. It was like funky, funky. But anyway, we went to this little cafe. It was called The Bistro. That's where I found the lady who I then discovered was Esmeralda. And she became Esmeralda in my song. You know, I feel like what Esmeralda represents for me is kind of this power to do things the way you want to do them and step out on a limb and make stuff happen. There's some lines later in the song about conquering your demons and your fears and just going out onto the playa, which to me represents the dark or the hard things in my life or our lives and just going for it. And that's what screaming like the coyotes is. So yeah, definitely. I would like to be Esmeralda some of the time. I don't always want to be Esmeralda. I think Esmeralda represents the more brazen part of me that doesn't necessarily always take no for an answer. Or maybe a better way to say that is, you know, someone told me recently, everyone who says yes to you is meant to be on your journey. And that's really the way I want to live. It's like all the yeses, I go towards those things and the positive things. Another friend said, going toward the love. So, yeah, I like Esmeralda a lot. Well, speaking of going toward the love, I did want to ask you about your spiritual and or religious background. I mean, you grew up in Utah, so that means you have to be Mormon, which isn't true, I realize. I know Quakers there. and So what's your religious spiritual background? Well, I'm not Mormon and didn't grow up Mormon or anything. There are some of us here who are not Mormon. And actually, my mom and dad, my mom grew up going to a Church of the Brethren church up in Seattle, and my dad grew up Catholic. Then they moved here when they got married for my dad's work. After my parents had kids, they realized that they would like to have a spiritual community be part of their lives and part of our lives because of the predominance of the LDS or Mormon church here. Because when I was growing up, it was something to deal with. You know, I was one of maybe five to 10% of kids in my elementary, junior and high schools that were not LDS. So it was definitely a factor for me. It's definitely been a factor. I definitely feel like I experienced something of what it's like to be othered, to be excluded in a way that maybe everyone has experienced in some way. I mean, I feel like everyone has felt like they don't fit in at some point. And certainly I you know, don't know what it's like. I, I am Caucasian, so I don't know what it's like to be excluded you know, racially. But I do feel like I was excluded and it, it was hard. 
it was really hard sometimes. And so we went to a Lutheran church when I was growing up, which was kind of like a compromise between Church of the Brethren and Catholicism. But it wasn't like my parents were, like either of them were really set on being a certain religion. We kind of just, we wanted something. They wanted us to have something to grab onto and have as a an outside community other than school, which it was that. And I have several good friends that I met at that Lutheran church here in Salt Lake. But then as I got older and into my late teens and early 20s, I found yoga. And so then, you know, going to yoga and my yoga communities that I was part of really became my spiritual community for a while. I went to this style of yoga. It's called bhakti yoga. And I actually went to a couple different studios up in Portland that also incorporated vinyasa, which is kind of a flowing, more kind of dancing looking style of yoga. And they also incorporated some chanting. And so I actually took a yoga teacher training program where I studied some Hindu philosophies and some other kind of texts that different yoga traditions use. I would like to share a quote from the Bhagavad Gita. This is a translation by Stephen Mitchell. There's actually a lot of translations of the Bhagavad Gita. But this particular one, this is chapter 18, verse 47. Here's what it is. It is better to do your own duty badly than to perfectly do another's. So I'll say it again. It is better to do your own duty badly than to perfectly do another's. So for me, that's all about perfection and not being perfect and that it's okay to not be perfect, which has been really key for me as I've recovered from my own eating disorder and dealt with the hard things in my life because I feel like in some ways getting through those things and recovering from the eating disorder has been about accepting my own imperfections and letting myself continue to be imperfect. There's one of my favorite statements, in part because it's a paradoxical statement, which seems like it'd be contradictory, but in fact is true. It has to do with perfection, I think, as well. It is, you are a unique and irreplaceable individual, just like every other person on this planet. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely true, and and both parts are true. Yeah, there's no one else like Mindy Dillard, and that's exactly as it's meant to be. Everyone else is unique also. Right, and there's no one else like Mark Helpsmeet either. You're the only one of you too. <laughs> and actually, you know, I feel like this actually leads really well into, I think, what will be our last song, which is my song, The God Song. So I'm wondering if we could just play that and then we can discuss it. Why is this part of your Song of the Soul? Why is this included here? So after I left the relationship that I discussed in Broken Dishes, that's about when I was writing the God song. And I was actually in this relationship with this other musician, and this fellow was also going to be a pastor. And so for a while, we went to seminary. or He was at seminary, but I was living there with him. And I was also engaged to him as well. But then it, of course, didn't work out. And I realized that throughout my 20s, I had kind of been not sure what I thought about the divine or about God. You know, I wasn't really taking a definitive stance on, on those things. And instead, I was actually kind of borrowing from other people, including from him. So writing this song, the God song, 
was my way of explaining what I think about the divine and God to myself at this time. The God Song by Mindy Dillard. Look at the stars and I can't understand Think I am small because I am Trying my best to comprehend The God that you love I can't understand I were climbing hand over hand up a mountain we just can't understand. We can only see a little way ahead up to the next ledge, but we can see all the way back down to the ground. But we can only see a little way ahead, and that's so frustrating, so mysterious. But that mystery, that mystery is of the divine. And I don't want to name it any more than that I look at the sky and I look at the land Biting my lips, digging my toes in the sand Try not to fight it, but all of my plans Are fading away, I can't understand find the divine in long road trips because when you're driving across Nevada you just can't help but start to think about how we're just these tiny little beings that are spinning round and round on this great big but very small globe in the middle of this vast vacuum of space and time and you know well it all goes on forever And then you can't help but start to talk about how all the stars, everything up there that we see in the sky, well, we're made up of bits of stars that have died. And all those stars we can see, well, one day, all of them are going to go dark. And we'll be left here in the black. And maybe then we'll have myths about the time when the sun poured down free energy. And so in light of all that, why should we be worried about how we failed or how the person we love doesn't love us back anymore? Because maybe someone else will. We're so much bigger and so much smaller than we think we are. So big, so small, so big and so small. We're so big and so small, so big and so small. We're so big and so small, so big and so small. We're so big and so small. I miss the mountains, I need the rain. Thunder and lightning on the high desert plain. In a place or a thing It's gotta be something That lives in between And when it all feels heavy 
when it feels like we should just abandon the wagon and walk the rest of the way to California. Alone, we realize that we're already here in Portland, Oregon, in Medicine Whistle Studio, and there's nowhere to go but east. We've already been north and south. And there really isn't even a wagon after all. That's all just made up. It's dollar signs and neuroses. And all that really matters is how we feel. You and I today, how we feel. Us bits of old stars hanging out in all this free sunset light. I don't want to hide it or give it a name. Labels and pomp, they don't mean a damn thing I don't think the good is shaped like a man I think that God is shaped like our hands We're so big, so small, so big and so small So big and so small, so big and so small So big and so small, so big so small, so big and so small, we're so big and so small. The God Song by Mindy Dillard. One of the lines I'm going to carry forward, Mindy, from that song is, I don't think that God is shaped like a man, I think that God is shaped like our hands. Yes, we know God through the work of our hands in the world, our presence to one another. That's one of my deepest parts of my belief as a Quaker, that we live it out, that it's there's a reality that happens through us and with us. And although, you know, I'm pretty sure God, like me, has a white beard, stands on a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Actually... <laughs> Actually, it was probably uh, 12 or so years ago, 13 years ago, after Quaker meeting where some of us were standing around lamenting how, you know, we all grew up with this vision. Uh, it was uh, in all the books, right? God's a bearded guy on a mountain, got a white beard, long flowing beard. He's standing on a mountain. And my son, who's usually pretty quiet, steps in. He says, you know, I didn't grow up thinking that. That's not what I thought when I was a kid. And of course, you'd expect him not to because he was raised in a Quaker household. But he said, actually, when I thought of God, you know what I thought of? And this might be applicable to you, too, Mindy, considering your age. He said, I thought of Captain Planet. <laughs> Did you see them, the cartoons? They're pretty wonderful, if you have any idea. I didn't really see. I'm, I'm familiar, but I, I didn't watch it a ton growing up. Maybe I thought God was sort of like, you know, Captain Picard. Star Trek. Okay. <laughs> I used to watch a lot of Star Trek. Uh, but you know, that reminds me to tie it back to my gardener boyfriend, Craig. You know, we were first starting to get to know each other. You know, I was kind of coming off of this relationship where I was with this guy who was going to become a pastor. And I remember Craig saying something to me, which was, because, well, because I play at a lot of churches as well. I, I get to be a guest musician quite often with some of my songs at various different kinds of churches, you know, around the country, which is something I really enjoy because... I really enjoy sharing my music with people who are 
thinking about their lives and the human condition in a critical way. And so it's, it's a great blessing in my creative practice that that's something that is included. But Craig, Craig said to me, because he, he doesn't usually come with me to those church gigs because it just isn't really his. Oh, he's also a bass player. I didn't mention that yet. But what he said about God was he said, you know, I find God in you know a handful of soil. That's where I find God. And I thought that was so cool and so true, you know, because I believe that too. And I think it's really fine and wonderful for us all to see magic and the divine wherever we see it, because I think it's actually in everything. Like it's even in the hard things, you know, it's even in the poisonous things. I'm working on starting a nonprofit called Poison Apple Medicine, where I'm going to do work specifically in eating disorder communities using my revisionist fairy tale folk rock opera, The How to Survive a Poison Apple, and other things that I create or other things potentially that other artists and songwriters create. And I'm hoping to give media literacy presentations and possibly curate concerts and art exhibits and things. And it's called Poison Apple Medicine because I really do believe that the divine is really in, it is in those things. It's in that transformation between the hard things, the poisonous things into the medicine for the soul. It's in that transformation. That's for me what I see is our hands because we, I think, do create that transformation. It doesn't really happen from nowhere. You know, that's us. And what a wonderful way to finish off your song of the soul. You're capturing the divine or at least aspects of it that we look at and your experience of it, which is why I invited you here today for Song of the Soul, Mindy. It's been a complete delight to get to know you. Her website is mindydillard.com. If you can't spell any of that, come via nordenspiritradio.org. Thanks to Andrew Jansen for production assistance today. We'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul. Thank you so much, Mindy. Thank you. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be-